Your fuel uplift may contain a hidden danger that poses a serious hazard. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Pete Combs with your trusted source for business aviation news. It's happened several times since 2014. Contaminated fuel uplifted to business aircraft, which then suffered major in-flight problems as a result. The contaminant is called DEF, and right now there's simply no way to detect it, which makes preventing this extremely difficult. So what do we do? Joining me for this important discussion from Stewart, Florida, Alex Barringer, Chief Operating Officer at Fairwind Air Charter. His company experienced a DEF fuel contamination aboard one of its Falcon aircraft in 2018. From the International Business Aviation Council, Terry Yeomans, Program Director for the International Standard for Business Aviation Handlers. He joins us from London. Bob Schick is Director of Safety and Risk Management at TAC Air. He's in Salt Lake City. The TAC Air FBO in Omaha, Nebraska, suffered one of the first known DEF contaminations back in 2017. And also with this NBAA's Senior Manager for Safety and Flight Operations, Mark Larson, who is in Rosedale, California. Let's start with Alex Berenger in Stewart, Florida. Alex, what happened in the case of your Falcon 900? Well, we were exposed to a DEF event last August um, where one of our Falcon airplanes was getting ready for a cross-country flight uh, going from Miami to Las Vegas, and they took a substantial amount of gas. The standard pre-flight and fuel quality controls were in place, and uh, we took, I think, just under 2,000 gallons of gas. Uh, unfortunately, before we knew this, they had just serviced the uh, pressed container on the fuel truck, so we took um, almost all DEF mixed into our fuel. The aircraft departed uneventfully uh, until they reached about 20,000 feet out of the Miami airspace going across the Everglades, and they received a fuel filter clog uh, on the left motor, quickly followed by a fuel filter clog on the center engine, and then a fuel filter clog on the right engine. This was probably within 10 to 15 seconds. Boom, boom, boom. Um, that was immediately followed with failure over the left engine. Uh, and then I believe the center engine followed and rolled back. Uh, was un- it was unresponsive to throttle movements. Of course, when the crew first got the filter clogs, one, two, three, they were immediately thinking fuel contamination. Uh, and they started to turn back to the airport. And at that point, I think they were at flight level two, two, zero climbing. Uh, declared an emergency and basically managed their altitude going back to the Miami area. And they were actually high by the time they were over the airport and circled into a downwind and landed uneventfully. Um, so they really came back with one operable motor uh, and the other two, one had failed. The other two was, the other one was stuck at idle, landed. And we went back to the FBO. At that point, we really didn't know what had occurred. We had assumed it was some sort of fuel contamination. We notified the FBO that we had suffered an emergency and came back. They said, okay, fine, we'll take the fuel truck out of service. And um, we notified the FAA. And that's basically where we left it for that day. So you hangered the aircraft, and then what happened? 
the interesting thing is the next morning when we came in, we had several um, fuel vents that were dripping fuel, which is unusual for that airplane. It's a very solid system. Um, so it was dripping fuel. And as, as it was collecting on the ground in the hangar, uh, it was crystallizing with this grainy white substance in the fuel, which was really the first indication that something odd had taken place. Uh, we called the FBO and said, hey, listen, guys, you might want to come over and take a look what's dripping off of this airplane. It doesn't look right. And that immediately sent their flags up and rang back to the initial, the first event that happened, I think, in 2017 in Omaha, where a white substance was crystallizing in the fuel. And at that point, they pretty well knew it was DEF contamination. Mark Larson, there have been some issues with DEF both prior to this and subsequent to it. Why don't we talk a little bit about the definition here? What is what is this contamination? What is DEF? And how often have we seen this problem occur? So uh, DEF is the acronym for diesel exhaust fluid. And this is now a very common substance that we're seeing used in order to meet EPA emissions standard requirements. DEF is used in combination with a selective catalytic reduction system, part of sort of the exhaust side, if you will, of a diesel engine. Very common for on-road applications, everything from your large you know, semi-trucks, uh, things like that, generators. Certainly we're seeing this for the, the fuel trucks around airports, and that's where this started to come into play. Many aircraft use fuel system icing inhibitor and there's a separate tank on the truck that's designed to be able to inject that fuel system icing inhibitor. Both of the liquids are clear, and uh, in these cases, essentially the, the two liquids have been confused and brought to the truck where it was then inadvertently metered into uh, the fuel uh, as it was uplifted into the aircraft. The kind of three key events that have taken place within the U.S., um, the first event was uh, at Epley Airfield in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, that was kind of November of 2017 timeframe. The second event um, was in uh, Miami, Opelika. Um, that was uh, August of 2018, uh, and the uh, event that uh, Alex had referred to. And the third one, most recently, was uh, out of Punta Gorda, Florida, uh, where there were two uh, Citation uh, aircraft both operated by the same operator, uh, each receiving fuel that was um, contaminated with diesel exhaust fluid. And both of those aircraft had to divert. One had gone into uh, Savannah and the other one went into uh, Louisville uh, International Airport. Bob, I was going to ask, where is TAC Air uh, in terms of, of trying to create a preventive policy on DEF contamination? TAC Air is uh, having suffered the, the uh, first incident in Omaha uh, we've we've put controls into place and tried to work with industry to make sure that when you bring not only DEF but any other uh, product onto the airfield uh, that it that it can't be commingled with your fuel supply at all. So put tight controls in the storage and and the dispensing of the fissy additive, the anti-icing additive, so that you know. You know, basically cradle the grave where the product is, what truck it went into, what aircrafts it goes into, and only allow access to those to those materials to highly qualified individuals. We've worked real closely with NBAA and NATA and the fuel suppliers to come up with a 
test that you could do in the field to see if your fuel supply has this DEF contamination in it. And as of yet, that's that's not available. Uh, so now the best the best course of action for now is prevention. Keep it out off the off the airport uh, fuel supply areas. Bob, you were the first uh, uh, FPO to suffer this. Uh, what happened in your case, and how much more difficult was it to to sort of suss out what happened uh, because you were the first case? Like Mark said, it occurred roughly November 2017. Uh, we had one or two aircraft that had taken off. We had fueled uh, that landed at uh, different airports that uh, weren't their intended destinations. They reported back to us fuel bypass, uh, filter bypass issues, but had attributed up to uh, some maintenance operations on one aircraft that had taken place. So they, they figured the filter was plugged with some residue from having the fuel tank serviced. The other one had no indication for us at all. So we immediately quarantined our trucks, did the QC uh, field test that you can do to you know, see, what, see if there's anything in your fuel including B2 tests, so we knew what the concentration of the additive was. Did we have enough additive in it? Uh, you know, did we have too much additive in it? All those tests came back normal. We had our fuel supplier, you know, they came out. Uh, the government uh, QAR came out. We had airline uh, auditors come out. Everybody looked through our process. Couldn't find anything, you know, no smoking gun. So we proceeded to start fueling again. About two weeks later, we had another call that aircraft that we had fueled went to uh, bypass again. So, you know, this really set off red alarms everywhere. And our fuel supplier had a sample of the original fuel, and it had been sent back to the FAA about a month into this, you know, three weeks a month. We finally got a notice that there was some type of contaminant in the fuel that they suspected was urea. And urea is used for de-icing, you know, the roads and the ramps. And we're, you know, sitting around trying to figure out how would that get in the fuel supply when we started going through the SDSs for the products that we have. DEF is 67% urea. That was the smoking gun. You know, we had already purged all of our trucks of all the fuel weeks before just out of an abundance of caution because we really didn't know what the source of the contamination was. So... Uh, we figured we'll just, you know, sterilize everything and uh, start from there. Well, Terry Yeomans at, at ISBA, I would imagine your organization has been watching this very intently and um, been thinking about things to do that would at least retard the possibility of this kind of contamination happening in fuel trucks around the world. Yeah, that's right. Thanks, Pete. Um, certainly, this sort of really came to our attention this spring with this uh, this, this latest issue, uh, where it's it's something that we really needed to look at on an international perspective. That's the remit of IBAC is to look at international standards. Having worked closely with Bob, he's on the standards board with the program, it was mentioned quite a bit at our standards board that something else had happened, so we knew that we needed to deal with it. The safety management system that is the, the core part of the ISBAR standards and is actually being pushed out from ICAO for ground handlers, our job now is to try and get this information out to people. This is a, a hazard and a risk that comes out of that hazard. 
so that people can then start mitigating the risks internally within their own organisations. So we, we really are trying to be a, a focus point to get the information out on an international basis that these issues are happening. Uh, it should come on high on your hazard register. It is part of the interface management between the operators and also uh, the aircraft operators and also the FBOs as well. So we need to make sure that the operators and the FBOs are talking to each other and passing any issues such as this between them so that we can then get to hear about it. And it all comes down to data. We need to know how big this issue is and we need to make sure that people are aware that it can happen and what to do, as Bob said, to, to help mitigate this risk as low as possible. Gentlemen, I want to put this out for discussion. We've heard from Terry and from Bob some of the preventative measures that uh, they're contemplating and that Bob has actually taken within their respective organizations. Alex, what are you doing now to ensure that this doesn't happen again or that you are able to deal with it should it happen again? For one, since there's no real good field test out there to help our pilots identify when a DEF issue is, is, is at hand, Preventative action is really the step one. We've issued a bunch of notices to our staff uh, and have done extensive training with the type of questions to ask line service, with uh, what to look for at the trucks. I mean, as, as to the minute detail of looking for the blue cap that's on the side of the truck to see if DEF is actually used at that facility. Um, we're doing this in flight planning. We reach out to the FBOs that we're visiting and we ask our dispatchers, ask the question, is DEF used at your facility? What are the DEF training standards? We talk to line supervisors, line managers, and then we um, forward that information to our pilots on trip sheets to see that they know when they land there that DEF is an issue. So preventative action is, is our step one. Um, for our aircraft right now, we are not required to take fuel icing inhibitors in any of our fuel uploads. All of our aircraft are equipped with fuel heaters. So we have the option to decline fizz. And with that, we eliminate or massively reduce the risk that comes with DEF contamination. So that's step one is unless you really need it for operational purposes, um, decline pressed. Um, and then ask the questions, make sure the switch is turned off, be involved in your fueling. Don't let the airplane get fueled without direct supervision, you being at the aircraft. Um, so that's, that's the process we've taken. Uh, we've obviously have done a, a lot with industry, worked on this industry um, group that came up with the DEF recommendations. We've talked to numerous FBOs. Uh, the, the biggest concern I have is the larger FBO chains even though DEF now is, a, is, is known to everybody and it's, been, it's a very prevalent topic, the concern that we're having is we see a lot of the larger FBOs swap and transition and transfer fuel equipment from one location to the other. So in, in one scenario where the airport may not have any DEF exposure yet, may have DEF exposure tomorrow by them simply moving a fuel truck on site. And by, by them doing that, they're introducing this new component to a staff that hasn't been exposed to it. So that, that's a big concern of ours that really just applies to the larger chains. Um, so we're actively working with each one of those FBOs to make sure we know what's happening before we actually go there. Yeah, point taken. Uh, let me ask Terry and Bob, uh, perhaps Bob first, how do you contemplate preventing DEF contamination when you're swapping equipment to, to that degree? 
So we've uh, currently got three locations that take blended fuel, so that's not an issue at all. And uh, we've noted that you know we're not going to send the problem to them. We've got the rest of our locations that are actually injecting. We're in the process of replacing the tanks that came with those trucks to a to a metal tank that doesn't leave the vehicle. That way, that uh, we can uh, use a little more control in the dispensing and putting it on the truck uh, with. Uh, cam lock devices and essentially locking the tanks so that nobody can tamper with them. Then third, I've got here in Salt Lake City, we're working on a truck right now to take the emission control systems off it, try to work with the EPA and get a waiver so that we can do it to all our trucks so that we don't have to operate uh, fuel trucks that require death uh, in their emission systems. That being said, two weeks ago, we took delivery of a ground power unit that is diesel powered and uses DEF. So now you know we're, we've got GSE equipment that's using it in addition to fuel trucks. That's another way to get it introduced onto the airfield. So we're firing off emails and information to the GSE suppliers to go, you know, what other equipment's coming down the pike that you're trying to change over to this, you know, emissions stage four compliant that requires death so that we can maybe head this off at the pass and uh, not have more equipment coming out on the ramps that require death. Terry, any, any thoughts in terms of developing standards at the uh, ISBA level? So what we've done is we've, uh, the new version of the standard is out and we, we were able to get in the implementation material, the guidance document that's come out of the work that NBAA and NATA have done. So, so that is already in the, the new standard. Uh, we'll continue to work with uh, NATA and NBAA to get the message out there to anybody uh, on a global basis who could have the potential to have this issue so that we can try and mitigate the risk as much as we can. Mark Larson, last word here from NBAA. I understand that uh, ISBA is working on some standards. What is the NBAA take on this and, and what is the organization doing to help our members deal with DEF contamination? Certainly our take is that uh the risk associated with, you know, inadvertent contamination of jet fuel with diesel exhaust fluid is high. And, you know, this is something we really need uh, operators, FBOs, and the fuel suppliers uh, to be engaged in the solution here. We've actively been working as, you know, part of a broader FAA and industry effort on this to understand the events that have taken place, to provide that human factors analysis to those events and understanding how things happened and, and came about that hopefully that offers some insight to you know anybody working this issue. This has been certainly a joint approach, as Terry and others mentioned, with NATA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, AOPA, and also the General Aviation Manufacturers Association, or GAMMA, and the FAA, fuel suppliers, uh, the DEF manufacturers, uh, you know, things like that too, to really you know, broadly understand uh, the things that could be done to help address the risk associated with this. And so uh, where there may be you know, limits in our ability today to you know, detect this and you know, identify if there's contaminations actually occurred, certainly the preventative measures are key until such time as we you know, can get that technology developed and, and have that out there. We're actively also working, like Bob had discussed, with the EPA and the FAA to see if there's a way that there can be an exemption you know, broadly for airports on the need to use DEF in the SCR systems to meet these emission standards. So that continues to be an area we pursue. 
and certainly, you know, trying to find ways to be able to identify uh, those situations where contamination has occurred, uh, ideally before we've got the, you know, fuel uplifted into the aircraft. You know, we actively, you know, want the operator, FBO, uh, fuel supplier community, you know, the aircraft manufacturers and, and others to really be engaged with us on the issue and, and uh, work to mitigate this hazard as, as low as we possibly can. That's NBAA's Senior Director of Safety and Flight Operations, Mark Larson. You also heard from Fairwind COO Alex Berenger, ISPA Program Director Terry Yeomans, and TAC Air Safety and Risk Management Director Bob Schick. For more information, check nata.aero for material on best practices to avoid DEF contamination. You'll also find information at nbaa.org safety. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan podcasts at Apple's iTunes website or download them from nbaa.org or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. I'm Pete Combs. Thanks for listening to Flight Plan. Thank you.